we have these expectations of our partner to be our best friend, our lover, our therapist, uh, our childcare, our coworker. I think even in one line of her book, and I like cackled out loud, it says, your dishwasher. <laughs> right and that was so amusing to me but I you know you start to kind of meld all of those things together and then you have I mean just exorbitant and um, really unrealistic expectations for the role that your partner is supposed to fill in your life and I think that is like so heightened right now You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knabel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Rebel Heart Radio on episode 126. I have the joy of being joined by my husband, Josh, and we are going to dig into all things marriage during a pandemic, what it's like for him to be a teacher during a pandemic, and how we're navigating, you know, the difficulty of this entire, I mean, it's shaping up to be almost a year at this point. Um, and it feels like this kind of new normal that we're all having to get used to, which is highly unfortunate, but still our reality. And so, um, we just had like a frank and open kind of vulnerable conversation and recorded it for all of you. And so for those of you who are trying to navigate relationships right now and maybe living in small and confined spaces, or maybe if you're not even in a small space and you're still (laughs) struggling with everyone being at home more or at home all the time, you know, parents who are teaching their kids also right now, teachers who are trying to teach their kids and their students, um, our heart goes out to you. And this ended up being a, I think a really interesting conversation about all of those things. So hope you guys enjoy this episode. And, uh, I wanted to just put this officially out into the world. Um, I'm releasing a really fun little digital holiday cookbook for my newsletter list. And so it's called the Northwest Kitchen Holiday. It has 18 gluten-free recipes that are bomb, in my opinion, obviously. It's my best work so far. And there are multiple holiday kind of composed meals. So like you can cook your whole holiday meal from this book. There's multiple options to choose from and lots for folks in there to test and try. And my absolute favorite thing that's come out of it is a ginger snap latte. It is super easy to make and you don't have to have the fancy frother that I have, although you absolutely can and should because it's going to make you very happy, especially if you're making all your coffees at home during this pandemic. 
Um, but that's one of my favorite things from it. And we got to dig into some of Josh's favorites from the uh, from the cooking process because he actually got to be on the eating end of all of this creation for the cookbook. So I'm wrapping up the last little bits of getting the cookbook out. And if you sign up at the, the link in the show notes, you will get a notification as soon as the cookbook is released and a copy will just magically appear in your inbox along with a few notes from me. So um, if you're interested in that, make sure you hop on the link in the show notes and sign up and you'll have that delivered to you in the next few days, which is really exciting. So Thank you um, so much for everyone's support on that so far. It's been really fun to interact with you guys on Instagram and share that information and hear about what you guys are looking forward to in your holiday meals. And there's going to be lots more to come with cooking demos and all sorts of fun stuff on the Northwest Kitchen on Instagram. So you can check that out. And uh, without further ado, here is my episode with my husband, Josh, episode 126. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Rebel Heart Radio, episode 126, and I am really excited. I'm joined by my partner in life, my husband, Josh, and we had a question a while back on the podcast um, when Jen and I did like a a kind of our catch-up episodes where we just riff on life and parenting and motherhood and business and all of those good things. And one of you asked a very juicy question that we never got to, which was like, how is marriage going during this pandemic? And you were not the only one who asked us that question. And so uh, I've been wanting to have this conversation with Genevieve for a little while. And then we both had the idea to kind of bring, um, you know, Josh in and have this conversation since it's me kind of flying solo with recording the podcast lately. And I'm really excited to have him here. So Josh, welcome. Welcome back to the show. I guess I have to thank the podcast listener for uh, the juicy question. <laughs> and Do now, you now I'm here on a Tuesday night. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, we are recording this only a couple of days before it's going to air. And uh, it's just been one of those weeks. We're hanging out post-election, mid-pandemic, trying to manage all of the things with family and life and business and work. And so, um, yeah, it's been a really heavy, it's been a heavy week. It has, but there's been some light things like a Monday text message of, Hey, would you like to do a podcast with me tomorrow night? (laughs) Sure. I'm here. I caught him when he was already gone and at work and you know, it was definitely not what I expected to see pop up on my phone. (laughs) And I thought, I guess why not? We need to talk anyways. We might as well record our thoughts and feelings and <laughs> hopes and dreams and all that stuff. I tried to kibosh it because I was so tired and Josh was like, listen, we need to talk anyway. So we may as well just record us talking and then we'll show, you know, well, this is my ad lib. We'll show how bad we are communicating lately. Well, and then we can just edit it later and make sure it sounds... Um I don't think you can edit this episode into sounding like we have a perfect marriage, though. Oh. So we're kind of. Oh, I, I thought Genevieve did magic. <laughs> she is magical. Oh my goodness, I love this so much. Well, um, one of the things that we are um, going to dig into today is just the challenges of marriage, and uh, you know, trying to deal with just like I don't know, the marriage is already challenging. 
marriages already work, even when you're strong, even when you're doing your best to communicate properly. Uh, but during this pandemic, I don't know about you guys, but things have come up that have never come up before. And it's unearthing some things for both of us. And it's been challenging to say the least. I think I've said the word challenging like 50 times already because it is, it's been challenging. And I think one of the things that's popped up for me is, you know, recognizing that stuff at home has just been kind of just, everything just feels kind of hard right now. Stuff at home just feels hard. Everything feels piled up. Yes. And not, literally, not to mention the dishes. Literally physically is piled up in our house. <laughs> we're staring at some dishes right now. Um, magically, we're kid free tonight. So. I would rather podcast than do dishes. I'm just saying. <laughs> Josh is an Enneagram 9 and he has chosen to record this podcast is as mere avoidance of the dishes. Yes, it's yeah. avoiding the conflict of dishes. Because dishes are kind of his... The bane of my existence. They're yes. the bane, but you're also, they're also your thing. Which I do a really good job, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't hold that one in. <laughs> Um, yeah, I do half of them every night. So there's still <laughs> half of them ready to go for the next day. I just want to make sure that I know what I need to do the next day, I guess. <laughs> oh, one of our ongoing arguments is that Josh never um, like fully clears out the sink when he's doing dishes. Like the, he will leave a spoon and two cups just because he doesn't want to finish the dishes or he's done or at max capacity it. or which I totally understand. I feel accomplished. Look at all the pile I just completed yeah. and then all that's left is two things. So nobody can get upset with me for leaving those two things. Yeah. And if you're, if you're new to the show, you may not know, we do not have a dishwasher. We wash all of our dishes by hand in our little tiny house that we live in. And uh, all of that is going to change in very soon in theory and if there are dishwashers available we haven't even really looked yet the conversation has been had okay we decided this is this is me getting ahead of myself but being really excited at the same time Mm -hmm. because you finally said yes to getting a dishwasher and we're putting a dishwasher the reason why it's a dilemma at all i'm sure everyone out there is like yeah duh why wouldn't you get a dishwasher the reason why it's a dilemma is because we live in a rental and so you know we've always been of the like we love to leave things nicer than how we found them we've already done that in this space and it's hard to invest time and energy and money into something that you know you have to leave and to me I have to think of it as like I need to improve my lifestyle (laughs) and I need to free up time And in the same vein, like we would totally hire someone to help us with something. This is, you know, we're like, we're hiring an appliance. I'm going to hire this appliance. Totally. And ever since we've had this conversation, every time I do dishes, I'm timing myself to see (laughs) how much time and energy I would be saving if I were to go through the weekend project of installing said dishwasher. So what are your calculations? Is it worth it? Uh, Yeah, unfortunately, it has been... (laughs) I'm very slow at it. Why is it unfortunate? I don't well, understand. Because you're wrong? Well, no, because I just foresee all the YouTube videos I'm going to have to watch to figure <laughs> out how to do wiring in a wall. 
I don't uh, know these things. I yeah, I'm just fingers crossed that there's not a lot of heavy heavy construction that has to happen. We are squeezing a, di- a an apartment sized dishwasher into the tiniest space you can imagine. We have to reroute a little bit of the plumbing. I am remind like mind you when I say we, I, I'm not doing any of this. <laughs> yeah, it's a collective. I'm there with you in spirit. I would hire someone to do it before I do it myself or. Or really, yeah. Anyways, we don't need any more strains on our marriage. <laughs> I'm getting so, the, I'm <laughs> someone staring daggers at me right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, so I have a project ahead of me, but in theory, it will save me time in about eight months, is what I calculate. God, you're the most depressing person since I don't know. I, I don't know when I said this the first time, but many years ago, I told Josh, I said, you are the most pessimistic, no, optimistic glass half empty person that I've ever met. And, and I think that's accurate. It's very accurate. He's very optimistic, but he is definitely glasses half empty. Um, and it's all about efficiency. And I think you thought that I was going to think like you and I was going to become an economist, but... I never we really were so close. I I mean I get it. I get you know opportunity cost and all that kind of stuff. I think that way too, but not everything has to be about efficiency. Some of it is about mental health. But we've been having a conversation about putting a dishwasher in in this space, and we just kind of thought it wasn't possible with with how big how small the kitchen is and how big a dishwasher would be. And I didn't then know we, they made dishwashers that small. And apparently an apartment-sized dishwasher is exactly what we need. And it's the only thing that would possibly fit. It so does fit. Here we are. We can actually do it. So these are the kind of conversations you can expect in, in this episode <laughs> all about marriage. Um, but Josh, let's come back to you. I know, I, you know folks have probably heard you on the podcast previously. Josh was on episode... 39 with Genevieve and Skylar and myself as well talking about just like riffing on marriage and life and all that goodness we called it couple rebel heart radio couples edition which was really fun it was a lot of fun it was fun and plus we just love hanging out with them and I wish god stupid pandemic that we could hang out with them more and and then you know Josh came back and and then alongside Skylar as well and we did a couple episodes on just how the Enneagram and knowing the Enneagram framework and more about ourselves and that self-awareness has transformed our marriage. So for those of you who are OG listeners, you can um, probably remember Josh from those episodes. And if you're new, you can go back and listen if you want to. It's episode 39 and episode 93. I'll link in the show notes for y'all. It's got a lot of listens. I Yes, a lot. Which was really kind of surprising to me. (laughs) But apparently people like to hear how marriages work. So, okay. Yeah, I think it's interesting and I think it's a little, you know, in some, I don't, in some ways it feels taboo to talk about it and it's sometimes we just need some solidarity that, that makes sense that things are, you know, hard or wonderful or whatever, you know, we all have these kind of things that we go through and it's not, we're not alone in it. Not feeling alone in those marital challenges is really important. And that's a piece of community that like we're just not getting right now. So if we can pour it into your ears, we'll do that right now. Happy to do that. Sure. But anyways, back to you. Let's I, tell everybody about yourself, what you do. 
Well, that is a... You don't have to give your full origin story. (laughs) Yeah, it's an ever-changing thing. Uh, Currently, I I teach at a middle school, um, but distance learning, which has been interesting, and um, trying to figure out how to coach as well is something I've been doing. Both of those things about 10 years now. Um, Josh coaches our local ski team. Which... Which I absolutely love. I love getting on the mountain. I love like pouring myself into those relationships and building a community and all that that goes along with coaching. And but the um, yeah, all the rules and regulations and unknowns of our current situation is just really taxing and stressful. Um. For for me specifically, because I love to plan, I like lo- I like to think ahead. I like to plan all the ins and outs, and I love to see things from everybody's perspective. And not knowing so many of the details that I think would be important for all these different people to know is exhausting. Mm-hmm. So I have been kind of at capacity, yeah, for uh, about two months now. I mean, and the whole wildfire thing, and that was yeah, another kind of curveball. <laughs> this is a wonderful curveball. I like um, that we talk about it like it's no big deal. It's it, you know, you're just evacuated from your house for an entire week. Well, it was nice to know that like basically everything we wanted fit into two small cars, and we could leave one just out on the lawn and hope for insurance money. So that's <laughs> nice. Our Honda did not, in fact, burn in a fire, oh. which is kind of what we were hoping would happen. Wouldn't have been the end of the world. <laughs> oh, maybe we'll just light a fire. It's fine. Um, hopefully no insurance adjusters but I mean, come back and listen to this episode. Right. Fortunately, we had we had places a place to go. We have family in town. So all these, thing, all these things worked out just fine. Um, and we got back to normal, but it felt like we lost two weeks. Yeah. It re- just, I mean, it really, trust me, as far as work is concerned, it set me back. Yeah. Set me back a lot. And life and home projects and all sorts of things. It was a really unnerving. And I think you and I have been, as I've talked about on the podcast many times at this point, so blessed throughout this pandemic to be able to maintain some semblance of childcare of schooling for our child we've been able to figure out work for the most part you know my job hasn't changed all that much other than you know it's lacking in the area of like you know human connection touching other people seeing them physical connection physical oh so hard um but i think and even like the wildfires i feel really blessed in the way that we were displaced But I think it's really easy for us in that gratitude also and realizing our privilege in those situations to downplay the anxiety and stress that's caused. It was, that was brutal. It's like, again, two weeks setback is kind of what it felt like. And not being able to have anything solid underneath you is a very stressful feeling. Um, It felt like a big emotional setback for me too. You know, just having to deal with the stress and anxiety of that change, getting thrown into a significantly less than optimal environment, (laughs) 
you know, where I am not able to like thrive in my work and have alone time and do what I need to do. And then coming back here and then like almost spending another two weeks trying to get back into a routine and figure out next steps and try to see, make sure we're not going to have to get evacuated again. Cause like it was a little dicey there for a minute. And I feel like that all the month of September just feels like it was just almost a wash. The whole thing was, was just straight up a wash all in the midst of beauty counter heading into it. Like we're heading into our busiest season, like next week, all the awesome, you know, like black Friday promotions and all that kind of stuff starts to come yeah, the, out. And the world didn't stop. No, the world <laughs> kept trucking and yeah. we were in this weird holding pattern and it's it was a it's a very regional kind of localized mm-hmm. issue too and it was you know nationally recognized of course on the news but it was just one of those things where you know you were either affected uh, you know totally or you weren't at all and it yeah. was a I remember telling all the kids when we got back into school I was like when we switched over from September to November just being like oh my gosh you mean Se- September to October that's what, that's what I meant sorry <laughs> September October October was also oh, a wash boy. <laughs> Um, but it felt like the longest September of my entire life <laughs> and I love September. So. It's your birthday. <sighs> it's like the best weather in Oregon. It's beautiful. Yeah, man. But it was the month that just kept giving yeah. and <laughs> I'm so glad to be done with that. No joke. We celebrated Josh's birthday, which is on September 11th, by the way uh at his parents house when we were you know over there and um evacuated like during a pandemic oh yeah that's like 19 years difference from the uh the other september 11th yeah i mean yeah yeah, it's gonna be i guess 20 year anniversary next year that's so crazy but we saw we tried we tried to hey you made me a delicious cake and it was more than I could have ever asked for. <laughs> it was such a, a wonderful surprise. It's I and honestly, it. it's all I knew. It's all I felt like I could do in that moment too. You know. Well, you nailed it. It was well. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but I that was like a comfort thing for me too. I remember you walking into the kitchen and being like, "Babe, you don't need to do this. Like, this is fine. That's too much. You know, it's I I don't need this." And I just was like, no, I need this. Go away. <laughs> yeah, because it kind of felt frivolous to me. I'm like, no, 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 no. We have all of these other things that we're trying to do and pack up and and you're making a cake. And it, it meant a lot. I think we were also, that was like the last day of like, are we going to have to evacuate from your family's home as well? Because that was part of the conversation. That kind of ended that night when it was your birthday. So I was like, oh, I feel more secure. And also like, you know, if we got to go and there's a cake in the oven, you just take it out and turn the oven off and you leave. Like, it's fine. We'll figure it out. So it didn't feel like wasted effort because it was also like my therapy in that moment. (laughs) And that's, I mean, honestly... This, I mean, it sounds silly because you probably would think about this and be like, yeah, you have not been in the kitchen lately, but all of that time I have spent working on the cookbook has felt really therapeutic to me and a very welcome, like creative project when everything feels like it's kind of uprooted and upended. And Well, I could tell it was one of those projects that you, you've been thinking about a lot and you were just ready to pour yourself into, mm-hmm. um, the timing of which, um, just circumstantially, caused a little bit of stress, we'll say, um, when <laughs> when walking in and seeing a production studio, a photography studio, a kitchen, 
um, with a couple of big old chocolate labs walking around and everything, all the furniture has been moved. Um, that was, that was our life for two weeks. Yeah. I mean, and I mean more than that, but I would just get it put away before you came home. There were a few, a few days where I had to leave it out. And also I was, the lighting was just right. You had to leave it out. Listen, chasing light as we head into fall for for food photography is hard. You you have to be shooting things like early morning sun is too piercing and then you need to have enough light so you have to be like midday, midday and then if it's raining in Oregon, you're effed and you it's too gloomy. Although, I mean, editing software is like the best thing ever. So, anyways, all of that to say, Yes, our kitchen our, and our life was upended when but I... But I, I do have to say, your cookbook, from, from what I've watched or seen so far, is pretty awesome. Well, what about from what you've eaten so far? Well, I mean, uh, that goes without saying, but the... Like, Cassie's been way into, like, the formatting and the look and the pictures and the photography, and she did a really great job. So, it's um it's been fun to look over and look over her shoulder every once in a while and see what's going on on the computer. So yeah, it's almost done. And for those of you who are like, what are we talking about? Um, if you're new, I, uh, made a, just a little holiday digital cookbook and it's called the Northwest kitchen holiday and it's going to be free. And all you have to do is sign up for, um, my list, my newsletter, which is another fun, great resource for you to get on a weekly basis from me in your inbox. So um, I do not take being in your inbox lightly. I know everyone's email inbox is inundated with all sorts of garbage on a daily basis. And so my hope is to contribute value in that space. And my gratitude is this cookbook for you. So what's your favorite thing that you've eaten from it? Well, it's not even the favorite thing that I've eaten. It was walking in and having all these beverages pre-made, <laughs> ready to so rock. So Josh is saying like the cocktail mixing oh day was his favorite. But it you're was still great. But what's your favorite thing that you ate? You've eaten from the book so the far. Prime rib is coming to mind. Um, how the prime rib was good. Prime rib, yeah. yeah. That was such a treat for us too, because I wouldn't You've normally never made like that prime rib. Yeah, I mean, I've made it. I've made it in a restaurant, but I've never made it at home. It was so good. So it was. It was fun. And the butternut squash. That was. I mean, honestly, it's still in the show for me. Hasselback butternut squash. It's so good. It was like caramelized. And your cranberries. cranberries. What you did for the the Thanksgiving cranberries. Yes. Um, with the port. Oh my gosh. Okay, you guys. So, you heard it yes. from Josh. He actually got to eat the food. I'm not a huge cranberry fan, but those ones, yes. I think when you like cut through the bitterness and get it right, you can. And it was it wasn't cloyingly sweet either. Anyways, yes. I my favorite thing. You're not asking me, but I'm going to tell everybody. My favorite thing from the book are those like yogurt mashed potatoes with crispy sage. I love a I love a little tartness to a mashed potato. I miss mashed potatoes with sour cream because I can't handle cow's milk dairy. And ain't nobody out there making goat milk sour cream. I don't know why. I would buy it. If anyone wants to make it, I would buy it. But I've been eating this goat milk yogurt and it works really well for like a sour cream kind of look and feel and 
taste and all that kind of stuff. So that was, I'm, that's a good Did one. Did you put the mix, the candied like mixed nuts in there? Is that one of the recipes oh, yeah. or not? No, it's in oh, there. Oh, I see. I thought you were just making that for the heck of it, but that actually made it in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Those were delicious too. Yeah. Rosemary roasted nuts. And they're kind of, they're, they're a little sweet. They're salty. They're a tiny bit spicy. They're very, very good. So I think we basically just laid out all the recipes for you. I know. So you have to make everything. Okay, guys. So um i'll tell you guys more about that later but anyways yeah, are you on track for getting that out anytime soon <laughs> that's my question yeah this is a this is a get it out at the last minute situation so it's going to my my uh editors i.e my business strategist and a couple friends here in the next couple of days and you did say single digits at one point in time so like yeah, november it's the, 9th it's is the that 10th oh. yeah yeah, today's so the 10th. close. So close. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> My goal was to be done while November was still in single digits. <laughs> For those who are wondering about that comment. Um, okay, let's circle back around. I think, you know, one of the like interesting things that's happened for you as a teacher, first of all, I just want to like I feel like you're you're entering into this interesting category of being an essential worker, which you always have been, by the way. Like education is an essential baseline service and now it's being actually like brought to folks attention that folks in education are essential workers. And back in March when everything went down and like school was out and you were trying to manage this weird online learning thing that had no structure and no i mean there was so much up in the we're air just creating everything from scratch yeah it's not like this year where you guys came into it with some semblance of a plan and you know some structure as to like you know who you're communicating with and partnering up and doing things together and all sorts of stuff but i mean at the end of the year last year you guys were just trying to you know make it work and it yeah, was make try to make it fun for kids and yeah kind of end yeah. things on um like a, not necessarily like a light note, but also a, um, let's finish out the year strong and, and learn something while we're at home. And, and I think we, we set kids up to, um, maybe, maybe it was too light of a note that we mm. left off on. Cause then and you started off on we that. We started off with this expectation that, Hey, I'm I'm teaching this eighth grade class, and my goal is to get them ready for high school. And we jumped in with these standards, and uh, there were so many technology hiccups for kids at home, uh, so many uh, schedules with parents and and kiddos being off track and not knowing when things started, or it just it's been really really difficult to hold the standards that we are accustomed to holding. And we don't want to let those go, but at the same time, we see a need to uh, hand out as much grace as humanly possible mm-hmm. um, at, at the risk of enabling in some cases, I think, which yeah. is frightening. Yeah. Um, but I went into the whole whole teaching thing as one of the reasons I, I got into the business was to make the world a little bit more fair. And it's been really difficult to make the world fair when it has become so unfair and so bifurcated that that there's the haves and the have nots in a lot of cases. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. So I've never had such a hard time teaching. 
Yeah. And there's not a lot of problem solving for you to do either. No, a lot of these problems are outside of my, once they've been identified as being a problem outside of my realm of being able to fix it. Yeah. Outside of my control, then it's like, now what? Yeah. Well, and, you know, we were just talking about this a couple minutes ago before we started recording um, about just the lack of reports to child and family services. And it's... Because teachers are out of the equations, the the number of DHS reports have have gone down. And and we know that during a pandemic, the, the people who are have access to everything that they need is decreasing. So that means that the kids access to things that they need is decreasing at an alarming rate. Yeah. And it's just, it's awful to think about. I think there's what's happening. I think there's so much helplessness felt by teachers right now. I mean, you already feel that, you know, when you're having to see that, a kid's home situation is leave something to be desired for whatever reason. And, you know, you're trying to do your best to bring the information to those who can help and do whatever you can to help extending grace where you can, but to not be able to really cross that barrier right now and have that physical contact or those moments where you can talk with them. Um, it's really hard. I see you. Yeah. And I've, I mean, even the first year of teaching, second year of teaching, those are always difficult. Yeah. This is definitely worse. Um, I can't imagine a new teacher rolling in to um, a job and having yeah. this sat in their lap. Um, there's a lot of expectations um, from every every different person involved. Yeah. The kids, the parents, the administration, the other teachers on your team. Um, it's really difficult to balance all those expectations and especially match them with your own. And And it's, I mean, everyone has very strong feelings one way or the other, right? So you've got a ton of people who are like, we need to get back into school. And then you've got a ton of people who are, you know, like we can't, there's no way we can do that. Like that's not safe. Um, and feeling pulled in both of those directions and understanding where people are coming from in both of those directions. Like there's logic and reason and all sorts of emotions tied up in both of those scenarios. And yeah, I mean, we had the conversation of what would happen if, if we had students come back and what would happen to our childcare situation? What would, um, what happens when teachers, I got, if I got sick, what yeah. like we live in a really small house. There's nowhere for me to go. Yeah. I'm setting up a tent in the yard. <laughs> like we I mean, honestly, this is an interesting thing. Like we've had to have some conversations that we normally would not have had to have, you know, like what if you get ill and you're contagious and we need to, you know, like we're we're putting you in a different space. We have to figure something else out. And we have a contingency plan, but it's it's something that we had to sit down and and hammer out and you know if you go back to a hybrid learning situation we may and more likely than not have to change our childcare because my mom is someone who is vulnerable in this pandemic and we have to be extremely mindful of that so you go from being someone who has very little exposure but still the most out of everyone in kind of our little bubble um to being the person who has the most but now it's like 
There's a know. significant increase. Oh, for off sure. the charts comparatively. And yeah, so, so it feels like a like a eventual inevitability rather than something so. that you can avoid for the most part until we kind of get, you know, everything in place as a country dealing with this pandemic. But it's scary. It's scary to think about. And then, I, of course, I'm coming from the, well, if you go back to school, like my life is going to be uprooted. Yeah. Because <laughs> I may just have to end up, you know, being a preschool teacher and, and a mother and. And trying to run a business at the same time. These. Yeah. God, I have so many female colleagues who have a family and kids and they're just trying to to juggle. And, and their husbands, too. They're all trying to juggle it. Um, but I see a lot of pressure being put on these female colleagues to figure out a solution and keep their jobs at the same time as maintaining their family. And it's just, it truly feels like we're back to like the fifties to the seventies in there. But because in a lot of cases, it's just easier to stop working and take care of the family. Um, well, and, and in many cases, women, I mean, statistically, we've seen women who are even making more than their spouses are, are foregoing their job to take care of the children in this kind of like the expectation is laid out there. And of course, I know that you and I don't operate that way. Well, that doesn't but, logically make sense to me, but okay. R- correct. Right. But... Um, that's what's happening in a lot of homes. It's not, you know, the, oh, well, if, you know, the wife makes more or partner makes more, like they can, you know, continue to work. Often the women are being put in this position, at least in, you know, straight households (laughs) where you are, you know, the woman is the one who's staying home and kind of expected to do this extra work or work and do the extra work of the family, um, which is, a lot. And I mean, that's our assumption too. Like that's my assumption. If, if this ended up having to happen where little man was at home with, with me, he would be with me because you would need to teach. Like, yeah, I guess we rely. Only, I mean, I would, I would much rather stay home with little guy and just have you work all the time, but I feel like I'm under some sort of contract or something that I have to like <laughs> show up every day. <laughs> yeah. I, some I, you also extenuating like, circumstances in my case. Right. And I mean, I have the ability to continue to earn it. a a passive income while I am also parenting. And there are a lot of people who do what I do. They manage blogging. They, they have, you know, maybe work with beauty counter, whatever it is, who um, actually don't have childcare, you know, or are doing this whole teach from home thing. And it's, I have no idea. I don't know how people are doing it. It's, and I don't, I think we're all just so tired yeah so tired everybody's just we were talking about how we're just maxed out yeah yeah well let's i mean let's uh shift over and start to talk a little bit about um our listener question about just and and it was so general it's like well how is marriage going during this pandemic for you guys and i was like well there's actually a lot to unpack there um it's a whole episode so one of the things that um i just wanted to put an air out there and just say, I feel you to all of, all of our listeners is that I, you know, this has been such a difficult time for so many people at home. Uh, relationships are hard, let alone trying to keep the strength of your relationship up during a pandemic. 
Um, and for us, like I would call us a relatively strong couple. Like we ain't going nowhere. We're working it out. We do our best to talk. Normally communication is kind of our thing. Like we do pretty well with that. Um, every once in a while we'll hold on to something and, and then, you know, blow up and whatever. We're normal, normal people. But I think even as a strong couple heading into the pandemic, like our weak spots get exposed in the most unnerving of ways. <laughs> well, like it, it's since we've all been stuck together with with our, our kiddo, uh, you have to kind of pick and choose your battles very um, very carefully because there's little ears involved. And so there there can't be any yelling uh, because he keys in on that pretty quick. Um, <laughs> he's a little bit intuitive. But yes. so, so we avoid some of those um, conflicts that have kind of been building and mm-hmm. allow resentment to kind of sneak in every once in a while. Yeah. And there's really no outlet when when your kid doesn't go to bed until like nine o'clock and you don't have time, you're just exhausted and things don't go well when you're exhausted and trying to work things out. So we've had some later evenings just trying to even sometimes just be like the whole conversation ends up being, you know, what did you mean when you said that, (laughs) you know, because we're just not saying things the right, we're not getting things out properly because it's all about tone. (laughs) I think. How many times has your partner told you, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. It's the tone. (laughs) When I get that, I'm like, this is how I talk. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't go well. It it always just kind of spirals back to its own beginning. And um, And Josh doesn't know what happened. (laughs) And then I get lost. (laughs) But that's arguing with an eight. So there's that. (laughs) It's not necessarily a fair fight, I think. Yeah, but I mean, I I have to say, like, I would be lying if I said there weren't tears, tears on both ends for us, moments of massive frustration over the last, how many months in are we with this thing? Like six seven. Or seven or something. Seven. Almost eight. It was mid-March. Okay. Mid-November. Oh, that's brutal. It's been a long time in the canyon house. <laughs> Our, the nickname for our little house is the Canning House on like the blueprint for the property that we live on. I don't know how they got away with having this place here, but it's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty lovely, but yeah. it's very it's very small. I think it was just meant to be like a farm kitchen. I think so. And then it just happened to have like a bedroom and a bathroom. And a toilet, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And here we are. And here we are. We're here. Um, so there's also that, right? This is not a situation where you and I can really escape each other at all because we No, live, we're constantly in each other's way. We live in 700 square feet, if I'm being generous, I think. That's about right. And uh, I work from home. And Oh, you should have seen her face when I first started teaching from home. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I remember setting up my computer and like opening it up and starting to talk. And she was like, whoa, what are you doing? Like, do you have some headphones? Like, what, why are you even in here? What are you doing in my space? <laughs> and then I got banished to the porch, um, partly by choice. I'll admit. This is like what Josh does around a campfire too. one drinking is there's a lot of elaborating here that's <laughs> happening because what really happened 
was him tiptoeing and saying, okay, I don't want to disrupt your work environment. Tell me where you need me to be. You know what? I'm just going to go out on the porch. That works great for me. I that never, avoids all conflict I never, for all you nines out there. You just leave, I, leave the house. And I'm trying to be like, no, no, I'll go in the bedroom. So like, let me just explain the layout of this house for a minute, you guys. We have a beautiful, pretty big porch for how big the house is. It's, it's awesome. like it double it. It's 1.5 like square footage. If you add the, you know, the porch 1.5 times what the house is t- in total. Anyways. So it's a, it's a pretty decent sized little porch. And, and then we have a kitchen and like, I would say a dining area. <laughs> sure. It's, it's a not big a square kitchen. It's just a kitchen that we put a table in. Yeah on the other end of the kitchen and then the living room is basically a wide hallway and that's an accurate description <laughs> he's looking we at put a rug a wide hallway with a rug in it <laughs> it's a wide hallway and we squeezed a couch and in we there put somehow. a regular size couch in it uh a bathroom and a bedroom and the bedroom is pretty big it's too big like it shouldn't be that big for how small the living space is um, but we love it here. We have a huge piece of property. It's a wonderful place to live. And we have a, out of choice stayed here for, I mean, it's going to be what, four years in the spring. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's the longest place we've ever lived in longest time we've ever lived in one place. And I think it's cause the outdoor space and our totally. landlords are fantastic. Like- yes. Yeah. And we live in the town we want to be in right now, all that stuff. So anyways, all of that to say we live in a, we can't get away from each other. We live in a it's sardine situation. Yeah. So, so working outside was kind of nice for a while. Well, but now we live in Oregon. It's raining sideways it's for cold. the next six months. So we are. So, I mean, initially during this pandemic, you were either working out here in the kitchen, living room area and or on the porch. And I would lock myself in the bedroom with the door shut or vice versa. And the issue for both of us is that we were on calls. We were having to record things. Um, You know, we needed like less background noise, but like we would both be recording at the same time. And then there's the issue of having, you know, less than optimal internet in a relatively rural area. And the bandwidth was maxed out because our landlords also live like way on the other side of the property, but still, we're all in the sim the same bandwidth, and so they're all trying to do online learning at home too. So it was a, the early days of this pandemic were quite the adjustment to the point where I was like, you know, I thought we would kind of find some sort of stride and we'd figure it out. I figured what is happening now would happen, which is that you would end up going to the school to do virtual. Well, it was teaching. one of those things that I argued for during the summertime, where I was like, I need to get. Out. out of the house and yeah. into a school setting where I can have all my own stuff and all my own space and be internet. able to do, yeah, so a, an, an adequate internet connection and be able to broadcast for four hours a day. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not possible here at home. Yeah. So, I mean, the dynamics have changed over the course of the last eight months or so. And I feel like in the beginning it was like, okay, we're survival. We'll just make it work. We were kind of bending to each other all the time, not really getting irritated, just being like, okay, like, all right, you do this. I'm going to do this. We'll figure it out. Like we can, we can do this. It was like a, and then summer we got a little bit of a respite because you worked your summer job. So you were gone during the day and I got used to being at home by myself again, back in your routine. 
Yeah. And now you're like home a little more because you get done a little earlier and we're I'm getting up earlier. So I'm like up with you in the morning a little bit, which is like a little funky for your routine. Josh is expressively I don't communicate said, very well in the mornings. He um, said, lots do of not just, talk to me yeah, in the just morning. Just kind of grunts and, <laughs> and gestures. <laughs> <laughs> which has been our entire marriage and I'm pretty sure your entire life. Yeah, it's just... So, but I think, I think we're finally, everything's kind of coming to a head with the school year starting and us trying to manage the expectations of family as we head into the holidays. There's just, there's a lot of like looming uncertainty for, you know, lack of a better word. Everyone's like saying, oh, such a period of uncertainty. There's a reason why we're saying it. It's freaking uncertain. (laughs) Okay. Um, But we're all kind of maxed out and you and I had a heated discussion the other night about feeling like we both like more needed to be done, but neither one of us had the capacity to do it. And it took us a while to get to that place of empathy for one, like go from frustration to empathy for one another and see, oh, we're both literally just spent it's not that we don't want to help one another or that we're being selfish. It's just, I'm kind of done. Well, and I would argue like the majority of what we're trying to get done, like it's the the opposite of selfishness because most of the time you and I are forgoing our own personal needs to make sure things are getting done for the family. And our, like, if we go back to the Enneagram, like our natural state of being is self-forgetting, Right. And it's not like we don't ever do anything, but we don't ever really take the time to like regenerate and rest. No. So we, we, we go and go and go and forget ourselves and make sure the team is good. Go team go. And then we both, when we both run out at the same time, then there's, there's, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, when one of us, picks up the slack for the other and gives each other a break, then, then things work out just fine. But it's a lot of divide and conquer. And that's not always a good feeling either. No. And I think the, the place we kind of came to and started talking about was trying to figure out some individual like systems and routines and boundaries that we can set either with each other or with our coworkers or, you know, job stuff or whatever in order to just like make everything work a little bit better, but also realizing that there's no way we could add anything more to our plate. So then what can we outsource? And outsourcing is a really weird and interesting conversation right now too, because you know, like when we were have we don't have a house cleaner right now, which is very sad for me. <laughs> um, our house is very dirty and <laughs> I, you know, I've thought about, it was, it was a weird thing for us to keep a housekeeper during that time, house cleaner, because, you know, it's someone else coming into your house, into your space during COVID. And, you know, we live in such a small space, we would have to leave and there's nowhere to, like, where are we going to go? We'd go to the dog park and walk the dogs. We would, Yeah. And now it's raining sideways. So I just drive my car around for a little while or park somewhere and like get some work done on my phone. <laughs> Like this is like, you know, or I'll run errands. I can run errands or whatever if I have to like go to the bank or whatever. 
but I'm not going in anywhere really. Yeah. So anyway, so outsourcing, I mean, we're fortunate enough to be able to lean on your family a little bit. Yes. And, um, and cause they're part of our bubble Yes, is how Cassie so delicately explained it to our five-year-old <laughs> and how every, okay, pause. He's not five yet. Don't oh, say that. Okay. He's so okay. close. I'm though. not ready. He's been asking some five-year-old questions, okay? He's been asking some seven-year-old questions, oh my gosh. but that's pandemic life. He asked he hears- me where, where fish came from before there were mommy fish to lay eggs. Wow. Yeah. And wow. then that morphed into, well, where were the dinosaurs come from if there was no mommy dinosaurs to lay mommy dinosaur eggs? Yeah, that happened at dinner the other day. Yeah, we're getting into like it was awesome procreation and evolution in the same sentence. I, you know, the really interesting part of this is that um, no one should actually be surprised if they knew the inside of what happens at this table that we're sitting at right now, and that is eating dinner after catching salamanders in a pond and talking about that, and then watching uh, Oregon Field Guide together. <laughs> like this is- he and I have watched all the Oregon Field Guides. All, uh, every single one of them. I think so. <laughs> I, I went and, back and as far Josh, as I could. And mind you, Josh teaches biology. So like he teaches science. This is literally what he does. He loves it. It is so great. And it definitely gets passed down. And yeah, I mean, I have a feeling with that kid, we'll be having the, the talk a lot earlier. <laughs> well, I think it all started when we went to we went to a, like a little fish hatchery mm-hmm. um, this weekend, and like the salmon were jumping, and and he was asking all sorts of questions, which was awesome. And I got to tell him about fish hatcheries, and so those kind of like family walks that we've been taking lately have been so wonderful. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to find places where there's not a lot of people around, and it's been one of the actually nice things yeah about not having expectations to go to other people's birthday parties or other people's play dates or so just pouring into just us a little bit yeah has been really one of the beautiful things about mm-hmm. 2020 oh, fucking 2020. um <laughs> it's hard to feel those bright spots but like what are some other bright spots for you that you felt um I just taking time to just maybe like puzzles. You two do puzzles. I love um, doing puzzles. I, I and I really dislike puzzles. Um, I'd rather play Legos because it's like a puzzle you can play with when you're done, not just one that you look at for a moment and then tear apart. Um, that's it's how a, I view it. It's the process is the satisfying part of the puzzle, not the end result. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyways, so just like hanging out with the kid playing legos and um costumes oh my gosh his costumes have been fun so halloween was i mean it was kind of sad version of halloween but he ran around jumping around like a little dragon which like those little moments have been really intimate and wonderful so Mm -hmm. yeah we uh historically so far have gotten him costumes from Hannah Anderson because they have basically like a pajama set and then you just add kind of these pieces of the costume as an accessory. And by the way, like the Hannah Anderson costumes hold up to some rough play really, really well. 
That thing is. <laughs> that kid is is acting like a dinosaur, jumping off of things, doing three sixties, flipping his tail, attacking us with his tail. Uh, the tail's getting carried around by the puppy. Like it's a whole situation, yeah. and it's held up really, really well. Um, but I, when we first started getting him Halloween costumes, like my thought process was like, I want to get him something nice that I feel like is going to stand the test of time because there's a possibility here that he might just get into imaginative play with these and enjoy them outside of, of, um, Halloween. And so uh, that's like exactly what's happened. And it surprised me to be honest. It surprised me, but like his costumes, I mean, they're out all the time. They are never put away. And he is just a dragon one day and then he's a dinosaur and then he's both. And I don't know where, which way is up and I'm getting, you know, yeah, I mean, we're outside riding our bike with our dragon wings on <laughs> and that and was, chron- that was chronicled on Instagram. I hope you know. Fantastic. And it was, everyone was like, is that real? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's real. Uh, yeah. That's, I mean, that has been a really sweet, sweet spot for me. Um, definitely. I, on my end of things, I think, just the lack of other people's expectations on me to be at places socially has been really helpful for me to hunker down and figure out, okay, when those things do really open back up again, like what are the things that I'm missing right now? Like, of course I'm not getting everything I need right now. There's no, I need social activity. I need that interaction. I need physical connection with my friends. Like when I'm hanging out with my friends, I am a hugger. I am a snuggler. I'm like all up in their business and to not have that closeness with those people with Genevieve, like that's really hard for me. And so it's been an interesting thing, like in the exercise of saying no for a pandemic, some of those no's also just felt really liberating for other reasons in that, you know, maybe I don't want to spend that time with that group of folks, or maybe I don't want to do that activity anymore. Maybe that wasn't serving me and I was just people pleasing to say yes to that. So there's been some interesting boundaries that have been put in place because of the pandemic, but I think they might, some of them, not all, don't worry, might stay after. I don't think that's a bad thing if you can pick and choose which ones. But I I recharge socially. Yeah. So it's been really difficult not to have those kind of like that camaraderie, that outlet that I'm accustomed to. Um, Especially with like some of my coworkers or some of our close friends. Um, Going going to a friend's uh, over the summer was probably the highlight of my last six months. Mm. Um. And actually just being together with people, even if it was socially distanced and around a fire pit or whatever, like these are, I'm missing those interactions right now. And I think that's weighing on, on a lot of people in a psychological sense. Well, absolutely. And I think a lot of times we have too high expectations of our partners anyway to like check these other boxes for us. Um, there's this, uh, she's a psychotherapist and an author and she's a great podcast. Her name is Esther Perel. She talks a lot about like sex and marriage and, um, like fighting fair and relationships and stuff. And she's got a really interesting perspective. Uh, but she's got a book called, um, mating in capacity that I started to read. 
and it's about marriage essentially like how this is all how, news to me so well, i'm listening and how well how bizarre it is that people choose one person to spend their whole life with and then also you, you become all these different versions of yourself and it's not that like people can't do marriage it's not her view it's like that it's just this interesting and bizarre thing that we choose to do. And it's also really beautiful at the same time. And I mean, she's been married to the same man for like 37 years. So she talks a lot about that. Um, but anyways, what I was trying to get at is something that I've read about in some of her work, which is that we have these expectations of our partner to be our best friend, our lover, our therapist, uh, our childcare, our coworker, um, or like, and I think even in one line of her book and I like cackled out loud, it says your dishwasher <laughs> because you do the majority of the dishes. Right. And that was so amusing to me, but I, you know, you start to kind of meld all of those things together and then you have, I mean, just exorbitant and, um, really unrealistic expectations for the role that your partner is supposed to fill in your life. And I think that is like so heightened right now. It's so heightened because there have been so many moments where like you need me to be your social act interaction and I can't in that moment because I need to go in and you're trying to go out and I'm like, ah, like, yeah, I roll in, I roll in the door someone. and you've been, you've been on like talking on meetings all day long and I'm like just trying to unload and have this wonderful, meaningful conversation. And you're like, just no. I just, I can't. Like, I just, I need you to lock it up when you walk in the door. I need some transition time. Oh my gosh. But anyways, I, it just seems like, again, this pandemic has kind of just like magnified the degree to which we are forced to rely on our partners. And now we're forced to rely on our partner even more. And, you know, because a lot of the duties that we do in the home, that used to be like a multi-generational village kind of split, you know, in the way that we used to live in community together and um, in multi-generational households and things like that. But that effort is not divided. That effort is condensed right now. And it's a lot. So what we need is a grandpa who lives here and does the dishes. Sure great you kind of look like a grandpa right I, now. i was really cold okay <laughs> it's cold in our house and i put on this <laughs> he's wearing a really i mean it's a nice like wool sweater but it's very mr rogers it's very mr rogers and he's got some grays coming in we got the grandpa the i was grandpa told to take off here. the puffy coat because it messes with the sound and so i had to go full wool and now it's got buttons and yeah it's a hole so here i am he's my my old teacher man but I did get a haircut recently, so I'm rocking that. Yeah, it's improvement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We know things are falling apart when Josh hasn't had a haircut in like a month and he needs to clip his nails. That's how I know. I can tell how he's doing by the length of his nails. <laughs> if he hasn't had time to clip his fingernails, I'm like, oh, you need to go. Just go yeah, shower. Self-care self takes Just a backseat sometimes. <laughs> And you don't even notice and you're like, oh, no, they're fine. And then you look it up and you're like, oh, no, they're not fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the denial is my my favorite part. The other thing that I feel like um, we struggle with so much, too, is like the fluidity of time and the lack of separation between like daytime and evening and the lack of separation between week time and weekend with all of this kind of virtual work and that's always been a struggle for me anyway being someone who works from home 
and is an entrepreneur. So like I'm choosing when and how I work. And sometimes that means I'm doing domestic stuff during the day. And then later, you know, I'm, you know, doing some like little things and work. And I try to put that away when you guys come home, but it's not always the easiest thing for me to do. So that lack of separation is really hard. And I know this might sound weird, but daylight savings time has actually helped me to like change that because if it's dark, I'm like, I'm done. It's 4.30 and I'm like ready for bed. (laughs) I'm so tired. So it's been really hard to hammer out the last bits of this cookbook because I just, I'm so like, it hits 4.30 and my body's like, it's nighttime, boo. You're just, you're done. You're good. Okay. We're done now. Well, I've noticed us um, lately, whenever we put little man to, to bed, at least one of the two of us is like, yeah, I'm going to. And we just kind of fall down that that <laughs> bedtime hole after yeah. reading a book and we're just kind of done too. And consequences be darned. Uh, the dishes pile up and, and life gets a little out of hand, but at least we're getting eight hours of sleep. Yeah. I have a hard question for you as we kind of wrap things up. We're almost at an hour, you guys. So I want to make sure we're respecting all y'all's time and not going crazy over. But um, I I think one of the things that I am interested in, in discussing and looking at is how we are going to maintain our sense of self when you can't like escape the other person. <laughs> you can't escape the needs of the other people in your home. And I think this was something we were presented with prior to the pandemic because we live in such a small space and are always kind of in each other's business. There's not a lot of separateness. So like, what do you think we can do to kind of continue to maintain some sort of sense of self? Well, this is something that like you are already so far ahead of me with. Um, in terms of maintaining self, uh, you have your routines and your calendar and you, you find time for the things that you need, um, whether that be exercise or maybe, um, just taking a little bit of time for yourself in the mornings. Like every morning I walk out here and Cassie is already in front of her computer doing a, like a daily devotional with a, a candle lit. And I'm like, Oh, that looks nice. As I stumble my way into the shower and I, I'm like, ah, I, I just, I struggle. And I don't know if that's a product of just my personality type. Um, but finding time for myself has been one of those things that is a constant struggle, even in the best of times. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't have a good answer other than like trying to pick myself up by my bootstraps and actually get out and do the exercise I need and, and be, and it feels weird to say, but be selfish. Well, I think the thing that you and I continually have to come back to is that you caring for yourself is not selfish and inherently it always feels that way to you. And so yeah, I can't I, really get around it. You, I mean, you have to change the way that you look at things. You have to switch your mindset. There's, there's some stories that you're telling yourself there that just totally. are not true. Right. Um, but it's in that kind of inner makeup. It's definitely in like your childhood thought processes because, you know, being the oldest of three, you were always trying to 
mitigate things and make sure that everyone else had what they they needed. Well, and it's one of those things like specifically like exercise that I've worked into my my job, especially in the wintertime yeah. where I'm running around with the high school kids and we're actually getting in shape and we're going skiing all the time. And yeah. like in the winter is when I lean out. Uh, and the summertime is when I'm unstructured and don't have any team obligations. So I feel um, like I'm not going to go run by myself, which is totally a normal thing people do. Um, and I should kind of look at those activities as something that is not optional, but like a requirement of of me and myself. Well, I think also it's finding things that you that work for you in that period of time and honoring the fact that maybe running by yourself is not actually what is best for you in that moment. That was right? just an example. Yes. Yeah, I think. But anyways, I mean, all coming back to that, I think a lot of it just takes a lot of self-awareness to to be able to figure out, OK, how do I maintain my sense of self? Because you have to figure out what is sense of self for me. <laughs> right. What helps me not just maintain my sanity, but thrive. And I think that's hopefully an area that we're going to be able to both start exploring a little bit more for ourselves individually um, in our new reality, because we knew what helped us thrive pre-pandemic. Like we were, we were good. Like you knew what you needed to do in order to get out, have some social time, spend time with your friends, get out in nature, do whatever you're going to do have your kind of separate things that you did away from me or away from both little man and myself. But now we just can't do those things. And so everything has to be re like, you know, like grieved and then redefined. And I think, I mean, eight months in, I feel like we're now just finally getting to a place where it's like, okay, what are the things we need to do to continue to, not just like maintain self-care because that feels like a bare minimum thing. It's like, what do we figure out how we can thrive at least under these current conditions, you know, a different level of thriving. So, well, to begin with, it felt like things might, might blow over, right? Maybe things won't be as bad as everybody's saying, Mm -hmm. but the numbers that keep ticking up makes it, makes me think that this is going to go on for a while and so figuring out what works now that we know it's not going to blow over mm-hmm. um is that next step yeah we jen and i the really interesting part of this and i just like i feel some grace for cassie back in march right now <laughs> but we had an episode of the podcast where we talked about doing the work during a pandemic. And basically it's what we just talked about was like practicing self-awareness, trying to understand when you've like hit your limit, you know, enacting routines and rituals and trying to bring those about. And it's not, I mean, it's still messy. It's still messy eight months later. Cause this is just like straight up messy way to do life. Well, forming habits is difficult to do. Yeah, I mean, because it's not a habit until it is. Exactly. So it's a choice until it's a habit. And making that choice is the hard part every day. And I will say, like, I mean, I've kind of surprised myself a little bit in the getting up early and doing the, you know, like self-care classes. And and um, for those of you who are listening, like, if you, you should totally check this program out. It's called Self-Care Society with Danica Breisha. 
Um, and these are, I, I'm taking classes in the morning. I'm essentially like taking a mindfulness class. We're doing journaling. We're doing setting intentions. Um, I'm doing kind of some deep dives into some childhood stuff in those spaces too. I'm, I'm writing like it, it feels really good. And I'm not a person who does anything like that unless I have something to show up for. I will never journal by myself. Like <laughs> I have to have someone to answer to <laughs> and or I'm doing it on the call and someone is asking me like a pointed question to write about. Right. And then I'm sharing it and conversing and seeing camaraderie and understanding there. So that's helped a lot. Um, but getting some time into myself in the morning before you guys get up and every once in a while, like this morning, little man is up super early and I was just like, you just cut into my time, kid. But I try to just like go with it. And I'm like, OK, we're not doing that. We're going to do something else this morning and try to be flexible. But it's it's hard. It's hard to be flexible all the breaking time. <sighs> I'm tired. Are you tired? I mean, it's only like 7.15. I know, but I was ready for bed at 4.30, remember? Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, um, I have one more question before we we peace out. And I, like, Liz and I, a couple episodes on the podcast, if you guys haven't listened yet, we talked about how we're going to be know navigating the holidays differently this year obviously we most of us are and we're gonna have smaller holiday gatherings or none we're gonna have to you know really rely on that you know immediate family to be able to enact some of these traditions and stuff like what are you excited for as we head into the holidays or or even like what are you missing well like our most like the holiday coming right up would be thanksgiving and i'm actually kind of excited uh, for the idea was proposed that our little guy does preschool with one other human and the idea was proposed that we get our families together because they're kind of part of our bubble they're in our bubble cassie so eloquently explained it to our kid (laughs) um that they're part of our bubble right now because they're taking it seriously and so are we so that we can all benefit from cassie's mom who is this amazing preschool teacher uh, for our kids, like the Halloween she put together for our kiddo, like Amazing. made it so like dressed up as clowns and reading books and spider webs everywhere. And oh, my gosh, they carved pumpkin carving carved pumpkins. It was a whole she did it like a production like she normally would if she were teaching 15 kids at a preschool. And your brother got involved in a scavenger hunt. Like it was just over the top. Awesome. Yeah. And so they made that really special so i'm really excited to go to thanksgiving there not just because your mom's a great cook um but also to hang out with um uh the other little guy's family yeah we're gonna get a little like almost that like newness social time with people that we can get to know a little bit better um and we probably should have been more intentional about spending more time with this little guy's family Um, but life, you know, we're all just trying to manage right now. And whenever we see each other, we hug because those are the only people outside of our immediate family that we're allowed to hug. And (laughs) it's just, you know, it's one of those things that has, I think, brought us closer together in some ways. And so I'm excited to get to know them better for sure. And that'll be, I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah. So I think, um, trying to figure out who around us is taking this seriously and not exposing themselves and possibly creating a bigger kind of gathering when we've kind of done the math 
math and risk assessment and yeah just be smart about it i think a lot of people want to throw their hands in the air and just be like uh, i can't fix it so let's just go back to normal it's yeah. like time out we have brains for a reason like let's use them for a second and yeah and decrease risk yeah, well, and I think, um, you know, this is a topic for another day, but I've seen an unfortunate amount of the natural health community really downplaying this thing and saying like, oh, yeah, you can just do your immune defenses and take your vitamin D and everything will be fine. It's like, no, 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 no. You're obviously not someone who is vulnerable to this happening, you know? Yeah. If you have a compromised immune system, that conversation is null and void. And I, I mean... On this podcast, you guys, we take COVID seriously. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out. Genevieve and I have said that before. You know, we're taking this thing seriously. And I have said multiple times too, like I think if I didn't, if we didn't have folks to be more, like if we didn't have to be so closed down and locked down for my mom, you know, we would open ourselves up to a few more people strategically. And I think we might be able to do that here soon, just like you were saying. Like, yeah, start the, to the equation that. would change a little bit. But yes. when numbers are going up, the equation doesn't change at all. Yeah, as long as you can have, you know, you and I were talking and we we're like, what would be the, what are the criteria in order for us to be able to open ourselves up to other people and for them to be able to open themselves up to us if that's a thing and kind of increase this little bubble we have going. And, you know, one of the things that we both said is like, we have to be able to have like clear conversations where no one's getting offended. Yeah. <laughs> you know? every, yeah. It's hard. Tough. It's hard. Yep. It's hard. So anyways, I am looking forward to our possible road trip. I'll share more with you guys on that. If it happens, we don't know yet. There's still some things up in the air if we're going to head out of town, but we may, we may just peace out for a couple weeks during Christmas time. I never get to leave for Christmas break because there's ski camps yeah. and all sorts of stuff. So this is the one time I'm like, whoa, if we could actually get away and maybe do some skiing somewhere else. Yeah. Well, I am very excited. This is the, you, yeah, you always have something that's kind of pressing on your time. And if we wanted to get away during that time, I mean, we've only ever been able to get away one time during yeah. that time and it was to go to Peru and it was a different country. So you were able to like shift stuff around to prioritize it because it was a big deal. Yep. But like choosing to drive to a different state isn't a big enough deal for you to, to <laughs> have to rearrange it. your whole life. Um, so, I mean, the moment you told me that you guys weren't going to be doing any like extracurricular skiing until January, I was like, it's happening. We're going to do it. So I'm really excited. All right. Well, we're a little over. Thanks for being here, you guys. Um, Josh, thank you for coming on the podcast. I know this is out of your element. You're not someone who's used to like being on air and being recorded. Until now, you're recorded oh, all the time. Every day, four <laughs> hours a day. Just things come out of my mouth and I go, oh, it's in the cloud now. And, <laughs> and then we, at least, we move on. Yeah, we have the benefit of being able to edit here if we need to, if we, we you know, I think I could probably edit, but that would words. be just one more thing for me to do in a day. And I'm not going to rewatch four hours of my video to edit those. Just not going to happen. Oh, I mean, yeah, I would never expect that. That's ridiculous. Oh, there were some people who asked if I could just edit it down to the important things. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay, let's end this episode <laughs> with you giving three examples of absurd parent communication I, that has I come your way. I can't even. I'm sure there's some sort of like HIPAA law or something against us. So. <laughs> Um, it's like the memes that are shared on, oh the, my on the, the teacher things. I just have to give grace to all people who are having technical difficulties with their children, maybe not telling them the truth and them thinking that they're absolute angels and just control H. Check those kids' history. I mean, they're some of them are not in class. Just saying. They might yeah. be in front of a computer, but their tabs are not where they should be. Con- control H. Just check that real quick, mom, dad, and um, you're going to learn some things that you probably don't want to know. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, most people with kids in middle school age have some sort of parental eyes or control on what's happening on their kid's computer as they should. Because some so. scary things can happen. We all hope so. Yeah. Well, I, let it be um, documented that I tried. I tried to get the tea, but he's not spilling the tea. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for coming and being on the podcast with me. I really oh, thanks appreciate for having it. Me. Of course, anytime. And I think I I hope this was, you know, an interesting conversation for you guys to listen to. I I know some of these are like our highest listens and I always think that's really funny and like we're the exception to the rule, but I love peering into people's relationships and hearing them speak to each other and about life and understanding that I'm not alone in the difficulty and or joy that marriage brings so yeah well thanks everyone for listening this week we appreciate you um do not forget to hop on the show notes and go sign up to grab a copy of that free cookbook it will be available in a few days after this airs and if you're signed up onto the list you will get it in your inbox um directly so it's coming Northwest Kitchen Holiday. Get excited. It's definitely worth grabbing. <laughs> I, I I enjoyed it. Every, every single one of them. So go for it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great week. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes and we'll catch you guys on the next episode.